0: And we are live, back with another episode of Shifting Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torrin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Stage yourself, Mama
1: Badden. How are ya? I am doing good. I feel like we need spooky music in the back. Oh yeah, we're
0: recording a Halloween episode. Even though when we're recording, this is nowhere near Halloween, but we don't do it now. We're just going to forget. And then we'll record it in like the middle there of November. Halloween decorations in all of the stores. So. There's been Halloween decorations since July. Like they had the yeah. 4th of July stuff. The 4th of July happened. Every, the 5th of July happened. Everyone used, you know how on the 5th of July, everyone used their surplus fireworks. So like the 5th of July sounds like an artillery. It's almost as bad as the 4th. So everyone used all their, shot off all, all, all their rockets. And then on the 6th of July, all
1: the Halloween came out oh it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy so um i think that this topic has been sparked because there's already social media chaos around halloween um the do's and don'ts around halloween uh halloween's just gotten really complicated uh the way you're saying it um
0: (laughs) you're you're leading it in a way where it sounds like you don't Take that stuff seriously. I assure you guys we do. That's why we're doing an episode. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, let's just get right into it. One of the things I want to talk about is there's every year for the last few years, there's been this big debate about the the blue buckets. So if you've ever seen the the like dark blue buckets, the lighted up blue, the mm-hmm. they're Halloween buckets for kids who are autistic. You hold the idea is you give them, most kids have orange or yellow buckets. You give the Uh, autistic kid, a blue bucket, a certain shade of blue. And what they do is then if they don't say trick or treat, let's say they're nonverbal or they just don't respond well to like prompts and things like that. Uh, Sometimes adults get really mad when kids don't say trick or treat, usually older individuals. And it tells these people, Hey, this kid is autism. Don't expect them to say trick or treat. Just put the candy in the bag, which is what they do for everybody. That's neither here nor there. The issue with this, the issues with this bucket is, first, you can't see it in the dark, so that's one thing. Two, there's a teal bucket for kids with, like, food allergies, so peanuts, eggs, the stuff where, like, if they eat it, their throat closes up. And in the dark, you really can't tell the difference because teal is a lighter shade of blue. And three, it basically outs the kid as autistic, which maybe in, like, upper-middle-class areas, that's cool. But where I grew up, like, th- you're getting jumped. So that's some of the issues, the bucket. I kind of want to spend a little time on all three. The first thing, we, we, off air, we had a conversation about not even having a teal bucket. So I wanted to get into that because that, that was a really good conversation. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: All right. So I'm going to rewind to the year that somebody came up with the blue bucket idea. And the initial talk around the blue bucket, I don't know whoever created what their initial, but you know, the telephone game this person says, then this person and that person. And so the concept was, for kids who are not able to verbally say trick-or-treat, that the blue bucket indicates that this child has a communication difference, right? Which, of course, I think it was initiated by parent of an autistic child. So, those of you who have listened to the podcast and those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm going to tell you a little thing about me. I like to be very proactive and practical. So, when the blue bucket idea came out and everyone said, oh, this is so great, so that people won't, you know, keep telling them, what do you say? What do you say? And my response was, huh, instead of us coming up with a different color bucket, which counterproductive that's kind of counterproductive to i want my child to be included i want full inclusion but then i want something that flags them as different but i don't want them to appear different and the other reality is uh most people are not on the autism social media groups so they don't really know what the blue bucket means because it's not a law it's not something that everyone's going to be aware of but not there. The, the thing I will push
0: back real quick is pretty much everyone recognizes it's a particular shade of blue that Autism Speaks made famous.
1: Pretty yes, much it, every
0: rec- it, everyone recognizes that
1: shade, though. Most, a lot of people do. Now, when it first started, nobody knew. There are people right now who don't know what the blue bucket is. There are moms of kids with autism who I've seen say, I don't know anything about the blue bucket. Lots of people don't know about the blue bucket. I don't care if people know about the blue bucket or not. My point when the blue bucket concept became a thing initially was instead of us just saying our children can't, why don't we make a pumpkin that has communication icons that say trick or treat? Why don't we make a little thing that you can clip on that says trick or treat? And the kids can actually say that. You know those buttons that people have and the staples that say no? Why don't we make one that says trick or treat for kids who can't say trick or treat? Why don't we give our children an opportunity to actually participate and communicate in a different way? And we also can shift the narrative around autistic people and saying that, look, there are different ways to say or communicate trick or treat. But how do you post, and this is going to sound
0: like a joke, but unfortunately I'm being serious. How, like, let's say you have a button that says trick or treat when you press it right? How do you turn that into a social media post, like an Instagram post that you can post of your kid being autistic so other people can comment and say how good of a mom or how good of a parent you are? Because the blue bucket's good at that because you could basically just say, look, look how good of a parent I am. I'm taking my kid trick-or-treating, like that's not the bare minimum.
1: It doesn't give an opportunity for someone to be a martyr caregiver. And, that, and
0: and we know that's, what, that's the important thing is that, because yes. as you know, having kids, it's all about you. That's the reason you produce <laughs> another human being.
1: So I still feel the same way. Why are we not making, you know, we have those playground, big giant communication boards, right? So nobody could come up with an idea to make a pumpkin. Maybe I should. Pumpkin with an actual communication core board. All it needs to say is trick or treat. And the reality of it is, it's also a way for us to demonstrate and model communication differences if we're going to keep hiding behind the excuse my child is non-speaking and therefore they can't participate and do but we're not going to provide them a different way to participate and do well that's not inclusion and nor is that beneficial so walking around with a tag it's like we were told a long time ago don't put your children's name on the back of their backpack or their shirt because then strangers who want to kidnap children will say or do things to children, we'll call them by name and children think that, oh, they must know me, they know my name. So we all stop doing that. And I think that what you were talking about was a lot of autistic adults feel like you are making a situation where your child can be in a vulnerable situation um, for people that don't and who are looking for for that sort of scenario. Um, But, you know, Pros and cons of it, whatever. I just don't think it's necessary. I think we need to give away way for our kids to communicate so they can participate in a way that is unique to how they participate. I mean, children who are hearing impaired and wear hearing aids don't walk around with a bucket to say, I don't speak, I sign. They probably sign trick or treat. Or they wear a shirt that says trick or treat and they point to it and it has sign language. I don't know. Sign language isn't going to get you those sort of likes on Instagram. Well, And for people who are picky about who they give candy to and what you have to do to get candy, that's just another form of ABA, right? Like that's just bullcrap. If you're going to sit in front of your house and answer the door, whatever it is that you do, and you're going to have candy to give out, give out the candy with no expectations. Like this is not that serious people. Yeah, that, that That was actually going to be my next point that I feel like I wouldn't say this conversation
0: is useless because it's important. But, like, why why do they have to say to Katrina at all? Like, the kids show up. What the f*** do you think they're in front of your door for? Like just randomly showed up at your house? Like a, like, like a gaggle of geese that just randomly like, were crossing the road inside the well, ring your it's, doorbell?
1: It's definitely a behavior modification, right? Because if you don't say trick-or-treat, nobody gives you candy. And they say, well, you didn't trick or treat. say trick-or-treat. Say trick-or-treat. And then the kids say it lower. Say it louder. I mean, it's just a whole Most day. people oh. where
0: I'm from, most people don't even answer the door. because it, it, We're all antisocial. We just put a big bowl of candy outside and just be like, I just expect people not to take, like, the whole bowl for themselves. But, like, it, it, it's not that complicated.
1: Yeah, there there are also people who do sit outside their door and their sole purpose is to feel like people want to talk to them and are excited to see them. So they must say trick or treat for you to get candy. What are you gonna say? Because apparently it makes adults feel very special when children say trick or treat to them. And I'm not saying that children need to be rude. What I'm saying is if you are sitting, if you are handing out candy, You shouldn't have to be candy earned. And if a child chooses or does not choose at that time, whether they can speak verbally or if they have a communication difference to say trick or treat, put candy in the bag and can we please just move on with our lives? Seriously, there are so many more important things than who gets candy and who doesn't get candy and earning candy. I'm just saying. No, it's true. No,
0: no, it it shouldn't be this complicated, but it is. But yes. we also have some opinions on the teal bucket, which is for kids with food allergies. <laughs> Would you like to share some of those opinions? Because what she was telling me is that she's actually pro-anaphylactic shock. Which yep. is, that's an opinion to have. That's an opinion. I will say that. Not my
1: opinion. <laughs> this is my opinion. My opinion is parents have to parent and it's hard work. And you have to do the work and put systems in place so if you have a child that has a child allergy a severe allergy right like there are kids that can't go to school on days when there is a seafood because they have that severe of an allergy right they don't change the entire menu for the state it's just unfortunate right just like there are people in my family who can't participate in crawfish boils because they have a severe shellfish allergy right well we're not going to not have crawfish boils with just one of those things so thinking in terms of the whole allergy thing whether a child has allergies or not allergies i think that you need to have boundaries around the candy your children are receiving you need to have systems in place to check your child's candy and you need to have rules around when when they cannot eat candy you also if you have a child that has a food allergy and i can say as a mom I had a child, one child that had food allergies. I taught him from a very young age what he could eat and what he couldn't eat and why he couldn't eat it because this is what would happen, right? And I did it, I think, to know, like I maybe went overboard because um, he went to pre-K and the teacher said, what's your name and what do you like? And I think he made a big announcement about the foods that he's not allowed to have and i said mommy already put it on the paperwork right so i'm not saying children are not quick and fast i'm saying children are very smart And if you explain to children why they cannot have, if you help children sort of, even if you need to sort it when they get it, right? Like maybe you can do an exchange where you can go through and say, okay, every five houses, I'll pull out candy that you can have. Because we know the kids want to eat candy. I'm not saying we have to torture the children. The other thing is, if it's really that significant, there are other ways you can do trick or treating and celebrate Halloween. It doesn't have to be going from door to door. And I don't even know if people do it that much in most places anyway. But I I worry, and we talked about this off air, I worry about
0: if their friends are all trick or treating, they could feel left out.
1: So that is where, once again, it is our responsibility um, to teach all children that sometimes things are different. Uh, a child in a wheelchair is probably going to have a different party than a child who's not in a wheelchair right just depending on what their theme is the other part of it is adults make such a big deal out of it if you make a big deal out of it then the kids make a big deal out of it and if you are doing something different for halloween um and your children have close friends you can either invite them to the activity or guess what Just explain to your child why they're not going trick-or-treating. And then the other kids say, well, you didn't go trick-or-treating. No, but I had an awesome party and I got so much and I had a chocolate fountain. Like, seriously, we need, it. this podcast is about shifting the narrative. Shifting the narrative, the, the underlying foundation is we have to accept that it's okay that we do things differently. We don't all have to celebrate Halloween the same way or Christmas or whatever the heck that is. We don't have to eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Like right? we seriously, we really don't. Like it's not against the law to eat something else on Thanksgiving, but and turkeys that's... good, though, it is good. It is really good. And why do we only eat stuffing on Thanksgiving Day? Because there... stuffing is
0: the greatest food ever created. Like like <laughs> so we turkey, only eat it once a year. Like, turkey is good. Stuffing is like, the nectar of the gods. And that's why you only have it once a year. It's a religious yes. experience to have yes. you ever had really this completely off topic? You ever had anybody listening ever have really good stuffing? Like someone who actually not not yes. like, like, not like stovetop, but like actual like homemade stuffing. It's a religious experience and therefore can only be appreciated once a year. I just okay. have to say that
1: I got you that makes sense. So Let me give some ideas without saying, you know, I'll just take away trick-or-treating. And the reality of it is children actually remember things that are special and different. So if you have a Halloween party and you have so many kids over every year, and it's like a tradition that you But what if no
0: one shows up because they're all out trick-or-treating? That's what worries me.
1: (laughs) Oh, they don't trick-or-treat that long. People will show up. We used to have, and when I lived in Houston... Um, we would have kids would go trick-or-treating and then we would have a karaoke party afterwards and just have a big old party like you just arrange it so that it's it's. and the other part is this this is the other part Torin. people are going to show up to something if they're a part of your child's circle if your child has a small circle have a halloween party that you don't have to spend a lot of money on if you just make different traditions within your own family to make sure everybody has safe foods then you can do that. It is what you make of it. And I'm not saying that peers don't say. Children feel very secure when they are different. If they're parents and they have a place to go home where they're accepted as whatever that difference is, whether it's I can't eat peanuts or I can't eat shellfish, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Whether you only use sign language or you only have one arm, they are able to be resilient through whatever the other kids say and feel proud about whatever things they did. When parents embrace it as okay, when the parents talk about, you know, oh gosh, you know, we never get to go trick or treating because Bobby has autism and it's over sensory. Well, you know, okay, so we're going to do that. Do a sensory Halloween. You can make spaghetti bowls. That can be scary and say it's brain. And you can pull all that stuff on Instagram. Um, I, I keep going
0: back to the joke, but it, it's true. Like that is, I know, I, I understand that like people care about what other people think and they care about getting likes on social media. I, I don't, but I get people do. So mm. something like that, they can, instead of taking a picture of the dumb blue bucket, take a picture mm. of the sensory Halloween party you had, mm. of all the cool stuff you did. Here's tips to make a safe sensory environment for Halloween. That, That's gets likes because i know it gets likes because that keeps showing up in my reels that's how i know like the out there's at least one person me who the algorithm thinks this person wants to see these and keeps showing it like on my reels so Mm -hmm. people care about that so you can have your cake and eat it too where you get to feel like that special parent that everybody says is so awesome constantly while also providing a sensory safe environment
1: for your kid yes Yes, because it is important to have a sensory safe. And I, I think that it's, you know, accepting, embracing different, uh, you know, in like I said, in order to shift the narrative, you have to not make it seem like it's such a horrible thing. And that starts with the adults, what they're saying around the kids. I mean, if you just keep making it a woe is me, well, they're going to feel like it's a woe is me. But if you make it so exciting, like, ooh,
0: how do you make Halloween? Or what was me? It's a Halloween It's a holiday where you go out and people give you free candy. Yes. H- how how is that bad? Like maybe because I'm fat and I have a big sweet tooth. I always have. Like Halloween is. I always love it. Like mm-hmm. I, I I still eat candy on Halloween. I just don't take a treat. I just buy it for myself. You think I care? It's like oh, it's Halloween. I I, I guess I gotta go smash a Hershey's bar. Nice. So. How do you make that, and I'm being serious, how do you make that a bad thing? Like, you have to put in work to take a holiday where they give you sweets, free sweets, a lot of free sweets, and make that a bad thing. That takes a special kind of cloudy disposition. And I'm one of those negative dudes you will ever meet, and I don't think I could turn that into a negative.
1: And the other bonuses—the day after Halloween, all the candy goes on sale half price. And if you wait another week at Walgreens, it goes on seventy-five percent. So, oh yeah, oh most definitely, yeah, yeah, Yeah. win-win. So this is this is what I will say. And you know, uh, I'm all about shifting the narrative. So I'm going to be bold. I'm going to have high expectations and. I think that any, event, that, that's your
0: flaw. That's your inherent, like we all have know, inherent human flaws is you're being bold and having high expectations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Sometimes it keeps me up at night or it makes me just want to scream and cry. See, the but, one
0: thing about being a fan of bad sports teams is that I've learned to hope for the best and expect the worst.
1: I guess that sounds funny. So uh, events and activities that are child-centered should be child-centered. If your child does not want to go out and participate in trick-or-treating for whatever reason, whether they're demonstrating it by screaming because it's too much, whether they are demonstrating it by not wanting to put on a costume, um, which we didn't talk about that, you know, that sensory overwhelming experience there. So think about what would my child enjoy does my child love to engage in lots of sensory tactile things then that's what we're going to do does my child not like to do that and just like to do something quiet and they can't take too much overwhelming you know what going to make chocolate candy we're going to do something maybe sensory fun or just have the chocolate drip and let it sit on wax paper we're going to make our own halloween candy in our house in a very sensory safe space and we can invite someone over that's quiet or not right make it about what your child enjoys because the reality is children remember things that brought them joy Children. Can't forget the things that brought them trauma, but they also have a lot of other baggage that comes with that. And I go back to it's about the child, it's not about us feeling included with everyone in the neighborhood trick-or-treating. It's not about us feeling lesser than because our child cannot. It's not about us wanting to be a martyr with a blue bucket and everyone feeling sorry for us and people questioning us about the blue bucket or not questioning about the blue bucket or arguing about the blue bucket. It's about, it's Halloween. Do I celebrate Halloween? I don't know. If I do, what do I do for Halloween? Okay, so I don't like scary. I like fun, silly Halloween. How can I incorporate that into what my child likes? And that's really what it's all about. And some way or another, candy should be flowing freely, whatever your child can or cannot eat.
0: I would argue it's also for the adult because... You're you're, you're eating out of that candy. Any adult says, no, I don't eat any of my kids' candy. You should straight up lying. Like, why lie? Like, why lie to yourself? Why lie to your community? You know you're dipping your hand in that bucket.
1: We all are. Looking for the good stuff. Which, that's another thing that is, you know, sort of behavior modification driven with the contingency of if you don't have a costume, people won't give you candy. That's not, that's not even true. That's not because I, I almost never wore costumes a kid because when we're going,
0: we're about to get into the sensory issues and they still gave me candy.
1: Yeah, well, you were in New York so a lot of the suburban places that I've been, they're very picky about that right. Um, but this is what I will say. Um, I do think that there needs to be more awareness around the sensory component of wearing a costume just like you know we had with the masks for COVID. but. I think that it needs to be awareness, not only for people who want to be stingy with their candy, but for parents who need to understand that, I know you really wanted them to be that ladybug or that butterfly, but it's just not happening. So you just have to roll with the punches of whatever it is that they're willing to wear and make it into a costume. When I went to
0: Halloween parties in college, so Mm -hmm. as a kid, I... Wore costumes when I was really little, and then once I could say I could talk and be like, I don't want to wear them. I just didn't. or I'd wear like the most basic thing, like of like a little bit like fake blood coming down like my cheek or something, because sensory issues. And I go to college, dress to Halloween parties, just dress normally, and people would look at me and they're like, "What are you dressed as?" I'm dressed as someone who doesn't give a That's funny. What am I gonna do with you, Torin? It's true. That's why I dressed up as. So I do want to get into that but with the costumes, because costumes tend to be very restrictive. They tend to be yeah. hot, especially if they're not particularly well-fitting. I remember my vampire fangs when I was a kid. Mm. They just hurt my gums, like the top of my gums, so I'd always take them out and my mom would get a little annoyed because it, the whole point was it am supposed to be a vampire with the blood and stuff, but it's just the plastic fangs, they hurt my gums. So What do you do with that situation?
1: Um, If your child is not able to wear a costume that you have chosen or they have chosen, and maybe they wore it the day before, but they can't wear it for Halloween because there's a lot of other, other sensory stuff going on, let it go. It's really not that serious. I need to highlight that. Just because they wore it the
0: other day doesn't mean they can wear wear it today. Remember, think of it like a cup and all the sensory stuff is filling the cup. And on Halloween, you have all the loud noises and the lights and all the kids screaming, trick-or-treat, and the doorbell's going and the car's honking for some reason. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's just the Manhattan thing, but-
1: No, and there's probably been an adjusted schedule at school because they did some Halloween (laughs) stuff. Exactly, they did some Halloween,
0: always have- Oh God, working in school sucked.
1: Like so I'm
0: so as being autistic and a teacher it's not fun on holidays when the schedules get completely changed. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. And you have to pretend. Anyway, um, if they're over if they have to deal with all of that, mm-hmm. it's hard to deal with all that and deal with the costume being uncomfortable. They were able to deal with it yesterday because that was the only annoying thing they had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And maybe they even wanted to wear it. They want to dress up and it's uncomfortable, but I get dressed up as my favorite character, so I'll deal with it. We all do that. We all put up with things that are uncomfortable because women put like on it.
1: uncomfortable shoes and a fancy dress all the time for one evening, but they wouldn't wear it the next day just it, for fun
0: exactly. so, but if you're already sensory overwhelmed, suddenly yes. those those things, even if it's something that's even a little bit annoying, goes mm-hmm. from a little bit to overwhelming. So mm-hmm. you have to be I think it's a great thing to have. To put on your costume beforehand, that is very smart. If you're, if you're only trying your costume on, on Halloween, uh, I don't mean to sound mean, but I uh, question your uh, <laughs> critical thinking skills. If you know you have an autistic kid and you're trying on a new costume the day of, just putting it out there. But that still doesn't guarantee they'll be able to wear it. And if they can't, in my opinion,
1: if they can't, they can't modify it or don't wear anything at all. Or get creative, find a friend who's creative, right? If your kid loves to wear pajamas, right? They just will, oh, they love to wear pajamas. They love to wear pajamas. Get some pajamas that are polka dotted, make it into something Well, there's so many million things that you can do. You can attach, like there's ways to use what kiddos wear. And then also it doesn't really matter if they have on a costume.
0: And one thing I wouldn't try to do that some people try to do is they're like, Oh, the kid can't handle it. Well, maybe if he puts it on every day for a week, he'll get used to it.
1: Yeah, we're not desensitizing to our costume. That's just cruel. And, you know, and I I think a good example of what you said, like they want to be princess, but they don't want to wear crown, right? Nothing on their head, nothing on their head. They can still be a princess without a crown, or they can still be a fairy with a fairy frilly skirt. If they can't wear those wings, take the wings off. It's really... Just say that a fairy that lost her wings, who cares? And if people are asking and questioning you about what your kids are dressed up and what's wrong with their costume, then there's some harsh words they need to hear. Yeah,
0: and people are gonna ask that. That's another thing. And we go back to this a lot on the podcast. People are gonna be oftentimes family members, Yes. Are, are, are going to, to, to say things that are rude. You, you just have to deal with it and advocate for your kid. There's really just no other way to, to, to get around that one.
1: Or don't allow those people in your circle. Use behavior in but if you're going like
0: trick or treating or something, you're going up to random strangers. And sometimes you get like that old person who's been around since like World War One. Oh, yes. And he comes yes. out and you you open the door and you hear Newsmax blaring in the living room. And he has some questions about the costume you are wearing. There's nothing that you can do about that. Like they're just, they're, they're old. They're, they're just going to say stuff.
1: Yes. So this is what I will share a story about. I haven't shared a story today. I had a mom, this was years ago. This was way before the whole blue bucket thing. But I had a mom and what she did was her son wanted to go trick-or-treating but he was really overwhelmed with the whole dark and people and people have scary costumes and lots of things, right? So what she did was she lived in a small community. She um, had her son choose, I think it was uh, 12 or 15 houses where he wanted to go trick or treating. And she wrote a note to each of those neighbors and she said my son and he would like to go trick-or-treating he picked your house and would you mind if we trick-or-treated just a few minutes before trick-or-treating starts because a lot of towns will have like a lot of small towns will have like trick-or-treating time right so that people aren't at your door big cities can't do that but um I've lived in small towns and so they'll do things like trick-or-treaties between this time and this time so she arranged and her child was able to go trick-or-treating and have a sensory safe experience and he went to enough houses to get some candy and it worked out just great and it was perfectly fine right now that's not something everyone can do i share that story to say think outside the box think of what you can do if your child wants to go trick-or-treating you can do trick-or-treating a different way and i go back to what i said before we started recording that's why people ended up doing trunk or treat because people felt like it wasn't safe anymore. You couldn't trust what people were giving your kids. So they made it so that you're only getting candy from people you know.
0: And a lot of people in rural areas do that too. Because yeah. the houses are so far apart. So far that, apart. That there's it, 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 that there's, it's not worth it. You'll walk for an hour yeah. and get like three Kit Kat bars. Yes, exactly.
1: I mean, I've seen people do it in a gym, a school gym. Where, you know, the little, the younger kids just dress up and they have somebody who's, a, it's almost like a Halloween fair, but not a big deal. And there's a table of people and they all have candy to give out. And it's just like, you just make it what you want to make it. I don't know who said that we all have to follow this. You know how I feel like checklists and rules and we all got to do the same thing. I'm not, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, and, and listen, listen,
0: we talk a lot about parents, how important it is to put the effort. We all know you're putting effort into mm-hmm. Halloween because everyone has a route planned out. Everyone knows what, especially if you live in a small community, you know what houses give you the good stuff because it's like, it's kind of crazy how much planning. You plan the costume, Mm -hmm. the costume that they don't want to wear now or don't want to wear apart, you plan that out. So Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of lack of planning. If you're going to plan all that stuff, be a little proactive and yeah. plan to make sure your kids can have a safe Halloween experience. and it's not really that hard. like I said, it's a Halloween based around giving kids free candy and adults then taking a candy tax out of it.
1: Halloween should not be about saying or communicating trick-or-treat. That's not what Halloween's supposed to be about. That's not the focus, it's about the free candy. So find creative ways to get them free candy. <laughs>
0: Make candy? I don't know. Listen, the only bad thing about Halloween. What? The only bad thing should be when your kid eats too much and then throws up everywhere. That that, That's that should be the worst part of your Halloween, which has yeah. definitely happened to me. Yes. <laughs> that should be the worst part of your Halloween.
1: And sometimes kids have to learn the hard way. They have to eat too much candy and throw up, and then they never do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I learned yeah. how to do it. I did that one year. I threw up in a supermarket. Felt like an And my mom stood over me, she didn't even get mad. She's like, Mm -hmm. next year, she's like, next year you're not gonna eat that candy, as much candy. She's like, I told you not to eat that candy. See, now you know, see. And then she'd point to people who clean it up. It's like, no, 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 don't clean it up. Don't clean." This is what happens when you're raised by a black mom. No, 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 don't clean it up. He's learning a lesson right now. It's like, give him the mop. He's learning a lesson. He's not gonna eat this, he's gonna remember
1: this for the rest of his life and best believe I did. Natural consequences work wonders work wonders. And sometimes they don't. But you know what? That person's willing to take that consequence. Nothing you can do about that either. I mean, people over drink all the time and get sick the next day. They keep doing it over and over again. That didn't stop me. We are talking about Halloween and I think our overall message is don't get caught up in the conformity. Think about what Halloween means to your family and how you can make Halloween a sensory safe Proactive, if necessary, communicative way for your child to enjoy it with everything in its But Before we go, I do have one more question. Mm-hmm. Of course. We're talking about trick-or-treat,
0: but there seems to be, I don't want to say controversy, but there seems to be concern over kids who are too old trick-or-treat. Some mm-hmm. autistic kids will trick or treat into their teenage years. So I have a twofold question. The first is, um, I guess. How do you handle having like a teenager who still wants trick-or-treat where you know you're gonna get weird looks, you know people are gonna think things and say things under their breath, and you gotta look people in the eye after knocking on your door with your 16-year-old kid saying trick-or-treat. And also, how do you deal with that sort of transition period between like, cause of just kids, like I didn't want to trick-or-treat once I was like 12, like the normal age, but then I'm like two younger to to parties either so how do you deal with that transition period i know it's a big question but
1: it's in you know i think it's really simple i think that number one um note psa whatever we want to call it to parents um it's not just autistic teens that want to continue getting free candy there are lots of teenagers that go trick-or-treating with a, a pillowcase and a mask on their face because they want free candy, right? Torrin, you said it, it's all about the free candy. There's a reason Halloween
0: parties all have free candy. Yes,
1: it's not just that an autistic individual or teen is immature or not wanting to. It's about the free candy. I mean, that's really what it is. And there are lots of teens that get try to go trick-or-treating and get fussed at by old people. Um, So I think that, the advice i can give is there's not necessarily this is what you should have as a cutoff. this is how you should transition it's like anything else i say you need to know what you want your family dynamic to look like around holidays just like you think about what do you want your family dynamic to look like for your child dating What is the family dynamic for when your kids learn about Easter Bunny Santa Claus, right? So if you decide in your family that after age 10, no one goes trick-or-treating anymore, you let people know at age 10, just like we let kids know you can't drink till you're 21, can't drive until you're 16. We have to let, especially autistic individuals, if you let them know what it is concretely and why that's it. That doesn't mean they still don't want free candy. It just means you have to figure out what your boundaries would be. You can't wait until you've given, 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 and then decide you want to set a boundary. You can't wait till a child is 16 or 15 and they say, "Ooh, I want to go on a date with my friend. And then you say, no, you didn't never tell, you never told them what the boundary was. You never told them the expectations and the limitations of when they could date. And now you're mad and saying they can't go and you wonder why they're mad. You never (laughs) said. Do you think
0: there's an age limit uh, for trick-or-treating for autistic kids?
1: You know, I mean, from a... I'll say I have different perspectives based on my role. As a person who thinks childhood is too short and you should enjoy it the best you can, if you can get away with getting free candy when you're past 12, 14, heck, get some free candy, right? If you can, as a parent, start the transition of what you can do, like just like you do when you say, oh, when we're teenagers, you get to do this, right? Well, this is what teenagers, the options for when Halloween, right? This is the option. I mean, we don't get, the tooth fairy doesn't come when we get a wisdom tooth pulled, right? Like at some point, the tooth fairy stops coming. So, but we we talk about that, right? So I think that you need to know you need to plan the transition, you need to have choices and expectations. And if your child loves Halloween, because some people love Halloween, then as they grow, think of different ways you can do Halloween so that when they become teenagers, maybe they can be the one that designs the scary garage for the neighborhood. Who knows? I mean, seriously, people need to just think creatively. And if you can't, find a friend who can because I'm saying that because I know some of my parents will tell me, but Stacey, I'm not creative. Then find a friend who is, go on Pinterest. And and there's, there's always
0: people who just love doing that stuff. Yes. Like they're they're just so creative. Like they're going to do it anyway. Like that's Mm -hmm. the thing. They're going to do stuff like that anyway. You might as well
1: like make use of them. Yep. Yep. You can even, you know, um, you know, if you want, if you feel as a parent, you know, self-consciously, you don't want your teen that's maybe non-speaking, um, autistic, or maybe just, you know, in general, uh, a, a disabled child that you feel everyone's going to be staring at you because they're trick-or-treating, then start talking about their responsibilities as they get older. Like, oh, when you turn 12, you get to give out the candy. Like, them ready for the next step so that they yeah like oh you get to give out the candy next time and then they can you know buy the candy with you that's practicing your math and life skills i mean just call me ask me what you can and and when they reach a certain
0: age get to go to college and college they have the halloween parties where all the girls dress up okay that's topic for a different day um i think we should wheel this in uh stacy anything
1: else you'd like to say before we get going I just want families to try to enjoy. If you just have to enjoy with your unit family, it's okay. And remember your children, remember the things that brought them joy. If it's not bringing them joy, just don't do it. They're going to remember it in a different way. Not like, oh, they're just going to remember Halloween's traumatic, right? So make joyful memories. That'll be my message. Joyful Halloween memories. Don't, don't f- Halloween up. Just, just don't. Because it's all about the free candy. The the amount of work
0: you have to put in, just, just think of it that way, and you'll be okay.
1: And think of the candy going on sale the next day.
0: Exactly. And Stacey, that's why we're working to...
1: Shift the narrative on everything autism. See ya.